1: Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On.
2: I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the break.
0: Similar to the people in the Trump administration, people in this cabinet knew who this guy was for years.
1: Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names.
0: I ask for your help
3: in continuing to fight for VG's safe and quick return home.
1: These back channels
4: that are used in order to facilitate a deal around these kinds of exchanges work best without the public
1: attention. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio.
5: Boris Johnson announces his resignation. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics with historic developments from London and big questions about what comes next. We'll be joined in a moment by Anthony Gardner, former U.S. ambassador to the European Union, who went to college with the prime minister. Later, the subpoenas are piling up in Georgia as the investigation into the 2020 election spreads to Donald Trump's inner circle. We'll have the latest from Atlanta and Washington in a conversation with Bloomberg's Billy House. Our panel today, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano, along with Republican strategist Doug High, former communications director at the RNC. Just another day, nothing going on. Well, that didn't take long, at this time yesterday, the headline was, Boris Johnson refuses to quit, right? Fast forward 24 hours and add more cabinet resignations, the prime minister acknowledges the facts.
2: It is clearly now the will of the parliamentary conservative party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new prime minister.
5: But it gets more complicated from there as Johnson stays at 10 Downing and plans to stay for several more months while his successor is chosen. But Bloomberg is now reporting the ruling conservative party is urgently drawing up plans for an accelerated contest to name a new prime minister by the end of summer. So it might be worth pulling out the bags now. Reaction from the business community. Bloomberg spoke today with Mike Fries, the CEO of Liberty Global. Freeze, forgive me, Mike Fries, the telecom company that owns Virgin Media O2 and a joint venture. has done a lot of work there. We caught up with him at the Sun Valley Conference in Idaho freeze on working with Boris Johnson's team. You know, his
6: government was very supportive of what we're doing. As you know, we're building fiber throughout the UK. Yes. We're investing in 5G. We're leveling up and upgrading the market in a way that it deserves and requires, and we're spending billions doing it. So I felt that his government was quite supportive of that investment and giving us a shot at getting a great return on that investment. So let's hope that continues. That's the main focus for us.
5: Everyone's asking what might change here from business to politics. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre.
3: Our alliance uh, with the United Kingdom continues to be strong. Our special relationship with the people uh in the country will continue to endure none of that changes and i will i will remind you a week ago just a week ago today when the president was uh in nato uh in madrid for a historic nato summit as you heard him speak at the press conference and you saw what happened you saw a reassurance a real uh affirmation of nato countries uh, saying again what they are going to continue to do continue to support uh ukraine
5: but no one quite knows what the timeline will be and, of course, who will follow. Tony Gardner was U.S. Ambassador to the European Union from 2014 to 2017. He's now Senior Advisor at Brunswick Group, and he joins us now. Tony, you tweeted this morning, I've known the man for 35 years. Hasn't changed one bit since our time at Balliol. So you guys went to college together. Did, did you not expect him to resign?
6: Uh, not this fast. No, I got to meet him in 1986. We were at Baylor College Oxford together. We debated together at the Oxford Union Debating Society, stayed in touch in Brussels. I was at the European Commission. He was uh, a journalist writing mm-hmm. fiction about the European Union. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was the Spectator magazine, then mayor, and then foreign secretary, and introduced him to John Kerry. So I've known him for a long time.
5: He was writing fiction. Did Did he ever... Start writing nonfiction? (laughs)
6: Uh, Well, yeah, he has written uh, nonfiction, but uh, certainly as a journalist, he was writing stuff about the EU that was mostly uh, half-invented because he uh, understood very early on his career that it was was a a smart way of getting ahead and it amused people. Mm -hmm. It kind of scratched the itch of a lot of readers of the Daily Telegraph who thought that the uh, European Union was kind of the enemy. So, um he's been very smart in kind of figuring out uh how to amuse people and to promote oh. himself. Uh
5: you the tweet that I mentioned, uh you you included the front page of this uh this new edition of the Economist that uh, comes complete with the headline Clownfall. Britain after Boris. And there he is looking like a clown with a couple of flags. He's got the helmet on, and he's falling off of a zip line. Is is that the goofball image that you have in your head, having known him for so long?
6: Well, look, uh, he ran for the presidency of the Oxford Union Debating Society back in 86. We were obviously young at that time, Um, and uh, he was very clever in that he realized that in order to become president of the union, he wouldn't win uh, on the image of someone from a very privileged background. Had been to all the right schools and so forth, which, which he definitely had. Um, he went to Eton, which is a you know is a very uh, cosseted environment. So he developed this uh, this image of kind of uh, well, you know, the humorous guy who never uh-huh. did uh, much work, who was a kind of uh, would show up kind of unprepared and unscripted and and people people loved it
5: as we are reporting uh ambassador the morning meeting with number 10 staff was a discussion of his resignation statement and whether he could remain for a period as a caretaker leader uh some were in tears in the meeting others knew the time had come how long does he have as a caretaker
6: well, it's it's a it's a long period of time to stay in that post. Um, other, you know, some people are urging him, John Major, former prime minister, is urging him to make that a shorter period of time uh, to find uh, another leader. And I think, you know, it's uh, it's it would be wiser for the country to move on right now because look, the UK has so much going for it. I'm a, a huge fan of the country. I've lived in the UK for for uh, twenty four years of my life, actually. Uh, and uh, regardless of the leader, this country will continue to thrive, in my view, even not not as a member of the EU, but it needs to now move on from a, a period that's been very uh, turbulent, shall we say.
5: Yeah. What happened overnight? This time yesterday, we were talking about his refusal to resign, how long he could hold out. People were, you know, placing bets on the timeline and the whole thing. Was it was it his conversation with family, staff? Did somebody get to him? Was it the resignations, Ambassador? What happened in the last 24 hours?
6: Well, I think we had nearly 50 resignations, which is, I think, uh, more than uh, either his historic levels or close to historic levels. Yeah. And I think many of his closest aides had gone to him and said, look, if you're not going to resigning, you're going to hold on. There's going to be a rule change in this parliamentary uh, group that, uh, you know, typically once he 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 won the, the, the leadership uh, contest vote and typically he would have been protected for a year, but they could have changed the rules and had another vote, which he would have lost. And I think people urged him to say, look, this is not the way to leave. Uh, your premiership, they probably urged him to say, look, you can be remembered for getting Brexit done, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, you should do that. You're going to have another career. So don't, don't do that. Don't hang on to the
5: bitter end. We're talking with Tony Gardner, a former U.S. Ambassador to the European Union and a former classmate of Boris Johnson's uh, in college. Uh, a lot of people are talking shortlist Ambassador. Is it too soon to do that? It's it's not like, you know, forecasting a presidential election in the United States. This could take a lot of different turns, no?
6: Yeah, it could take a lot of different turns. I mean, the bookmakers are making their odds. Um, uh, you know, the, the fact of the matter is still very influential people who want to see someone in that post who has been a sworn uh, proponent of getting Brexit done and seeing it through – so that might, in fact, eliminate a number of, the, of the, the candidates. I'm thinking of Tom Tugendhat, who's extremely competent, as a young uh, Tory MP who's declared his interest in the job. So it's more likely there will be someone who is, um, uh, who's a fresh face, uh, who's a face, a face of competence, uh-huh. uh, who's perceived to be honest. Uh, which is frankly a lot of people are, are demanding right now because they're they're frankly tired of being told one thing and the discovering in the twenty four hours that the exact opposite happened. Yeah, right. Uh and this has been going on for years. So, you know, a Brexiteer <laughs> but a fresh faced view of competence. And frankly, um uh, you know, I, I think the former Chancellor, uh Rishi Sunak, uh mm-hmm. is gotta be high on anyone's list.
5: Name keeps coming up in every one of these conversations. Yeah. Ambassador, does the White House have it right that nothing changes here? In our relationship,
6: look, I think it has it right. I mean, this is it, it has been uh, and will remain a key ally of the United States on so many issues. And by the way, not just security, military issues. Um, I lived through some of this huh. when I was at post the European Union. They're hugely important allies on law enforcement. Uh, hugely important allies on, on other topics as well, free trade, where the UK is was frankly always on our side, uh, at least during the Obama years, uh, in in proposing a view of uh, freer, liberalized trade, free competition, uh, transatlantic unity, Mm -hmm. a strong supporter of NATO, which which I already mentioned, security, but also a thought leader on the digital economy, which we also care about, uh, and many other areas besides, uh, and also on climate change. So for sure important and will remain uh, as a country punching above its weight
5: fascinating conversation lastly uh, where we began finishing where we began ambassador did you ever go to a party with boris johnson
6: <laughs> uh yes
5: yeah, was it yeah, the like best party you ever went to
6: <laughs> he's an amusing guy he's, he writes <laughs> well he speaks well he's humorous absolutely he's good company
5: Gate with the Ambassador. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Tony Gardner, Senior Advisor Brunswick and former U.S. Ambassador to the EU in the Obama years. We assemble our panel next. Never a dull moment, not here. This is Bloomberg.
2: It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister.
3: So long,
0: farewell, I'll be same, good
2: night. And I've agreed with Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of our backbench MPs, that the process of choosing that new leader should begin now. And the timetable will be announced next week.
0: So long, farewell. I'll be to say adieu. Adieu, adieu. To you, and you, and
3: you. So
2: I want to say to the millions of people who voted for us in 2019, many of them voting Conservative. So
0: long, farewell.
2: I know that there will be many people who are relieved and uh, perhaps quite a few who will also be disappointed.
0: So long, farewell, I'll be just saying goodbye.
2: And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the (laughs) brakes. Them's the brakes.
5: Thank you all very much. But how long does he have? Boris Johnson wants to stay on until the next prime minister is expected. An idea, as Ambassador Gardner mentioned a couple of moments ago, that was panned by former Prime Minister John Majors, calling on Johnson to leave immediately, saying that it's unwise and maybe unsustainable for Johnson to remain in office and that his new cabinet may not be able to restrain him. Some of this sounds familiar. And so we bring it to the panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors, Jeannie Shanzano, Democratic analyst, and Doug Hayes with us today, Republican strategist, former deputy chief of staff to Eric Cantor, former RNC communications director. Jeannie, this time yesterday, we were having a very different conversation. How much time do you think he has now that he's acknowledged the facts?
0: Well, you know, I was saying yesterday, may, it could be as short as a day or a couple of weeks, you and sure it happened did. very, very fast. Um, but I think the concern now is, is, to the point of your previous conversation, is that as a caretaker, we're even hearing the British press talk about this. Is it possible that he decides not to step down, that yeah. he tries to pull a quote-unquote Donald Trump? Um, and there is some concern there. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No, but I also think that that's why the committee probably early next 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 week, because they don't trust him, Mm -hmm. is going to move to get him out as quickly as possible.
5: Doug, what do you see happening here uh, in the hours following this announcement? We obviously uh, didn't know this was going to happen, at least a lot of us, until we woke up this morning. It it developed overnight, Uh, but there's not a lot of patience for him to hang around.
7: No, and and I'll tell you, you know, if we're we're using the phrase, you know, this time yesterday, this time Mm -hmm. yesterday, it was 10.20 p.m. in the U.K., and I was uh, trading notes with two friends who had previously worked for Boris Johnson, who um, who I had done some work with Boris on, who had who had all along said he won't go, he won't go, he won't go, and then changed their tune and said this huh. is over, and it's now just a question about negotiating timing. What was and it? So, the
5: Resignations? What actually? What became uh, too much to ignore?
7: It was the the initial two resignations of the the cabinet minister, ministers, uh, the chancellor and the health minister, um, and then the snowball and pile on effective that to where it became very, very clear that this was just not sustainable. And so, we'll, look, we'll see what the timetable is now. You know, if he were to resign immediately, I, not knowing fully the processes, processes, would there be an interim prime minister? Is that more or less stable than what we than what we have right now? And, and look, you know, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time with Boris Johnson, both in London and in, in Washington, D.C., in Davos as well. And I get that people wanna you know, make cracks about his hair and you know, the zip line and, and <laughs> yeah. all of that. But it, you know, if, if we look back at the Theresa May um, prime ministership, yeah. that was also a very tumultuous time. And you know, sh- certainly there weren't the questions about her honesty, but you can't say that that was not a rocky road. We have in, in not just American democracy right now and the UK democracy, but if you look throughout the world, Israel, France, you know, democracy is in a very fragile place for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't think it's a massive surprise that the UK, you know, is experiencing this right now. And And while there are a lot of people, as Boris Johnson referenced, that might be happy for him to go. It's yeah. very clear that one person is. And that's Zelensky.
5: <laughs> well, OK. So with that in mind, Jeannie, what's a worse idea? Having a caretaker prime minister, somebody comes in on the interim or leaving Boris Johnson until it's clear who his successor is. And I'm asking you that through the prism of the war in Ukraine.
0: Well, certainly. I mean, I agree with Doug. Zelensky, that he would like him to stay. Um, you know, you look at the, the, the polls, quite frankly, and it's stunning how popular somebody like Boris Johnson is in the Ukraine vis-a-vis how pop, unpopular he is at home. The, real, the reality is, you know, when Theresa May was a caretaker prime minister, it was okay because while they disagreed on policy, personality wasn't as much of a concern. Here, there is a real lack of trust of Boris Johnson and what he's going to do. And again, I go back to the fact that there is some concern that while he said today he would go, this determination to stay on for yeah. the you know a certain period of time has people concerned. And so I do think that there is going to be an effort next week to push him out. Mm-hmm. I don't think we will see a massive policy shift here on the Ukraine. But of course, that depends on who follows him as well.
5: Doug, you knew him. You worked with him. Do you trust him? Do you believe him?
7: Well, look. Obviously, there've been some issues of a lot of issues of things that were said that yeah. turned out to not be true, and that's that's ultimately, you know, why why he was why he's been pushed out and and, and ultimately had to go. But also, stormer may be leaving. It sounds
5: and like you might not, something- though. It's all right. Sit, stay with us, Doug and Jeannie. This is Bloomberg.
1: Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 991 to New York, Bloomberg eleven three zero to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM channel 119 and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia
5: wants some time with Rudy Giuliani and Senator Lindsey Graham and several others as part of a special grand jury investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election. An investigation that could be a more immediate concern for Donald Trump than what's happening now in Washington. We'll discuss that next with Bloomberg congressional reporter Billy House. Quite a bombshell when we learned from Cassidy Hutchinson before the January 6th committee about a week ago about the pardon request.
0: Did Rudy Giuliani ever suggest that he was interested in receiving a presidential pardon related to January 6th? He
4: did
5: pretty cut and dry, but Rudy Giuliani says that never happened. This is him talking on his podcast.
4: Everybody in Washington, the Washington wants to make me a liar and a crook and I'm not, but I know I have to protect myself. Now I I could have asked for a pardon for a very good reason. I don't want to get framed. I know I didn't do anything wrong.
5: Goes on to say that he is being framed Not just here in Washington, where, of course, we've seen several snippets of his testimony, his video testimony before the January 6th committee. But what's happening in Georgia is worth your attention. And it's not getting a heck of a lot of coverage here because, well, there's just too much going on every day. Even outside of this story, of course. Bloomberg reporting that Giuliani, along with, as I mentioned, Senator Lindsey Graham and five others called to testify before the special grand jury in Atlanta. The D.A., Fulton County, has already taken testimony from Georgia's secretary of state. And we could be about to learn a lot more. Joining us to connect the dots between what's happening here in Washington and this separate investigation happening in Georgia, Bloomberg Congressional correspondent Billy House. It's great to have you back, Billy. Uh, This is something that is unfolding in Georgia uh, and, and interesting that it's not getting so much attention because our eyes are trained on what's happening here in Washington. Is Rudy Giuliani in big trouble?
4: Well, uh, the, the Georgia uh, special grand jury in Fulton County does seem to be zeroing in on him, if not actually uh, former President Trump. And it does seem to be uh, kind of ahead of what have been, you know, anything but boring congressional hearings but also yes. the justice department here in washington uh... The, the number of witnesses and the people they're calling seem to be slightly ahead of the pace of of both these washington uh... investigations so uh, Fulton county district attorney fanny willis uh... has been at this she's looking specifically at attempts to overturn the georgia uh... uh results and mm-hmm. and she seems to be uh, p- setting the pace
5: and she can actually you know levy charges as opposed to the January 6th committee, which some people don't seem to understand.
4: That's correct. This is a special grand jury right now. So whatever report it releases will then be turned over to her. And then she will have to decide whether to go to a regular grand jury and get an indictment if there are charges to be had. And she says she hopes to, uh, you know, not go past October. And that's Mm -hmm. uh, that's a pretty, uh, pretty, fast pace at this point, giving we're almost in mid-July. So uh, a lot of fast, uh, another fascinating aspect is she has the governor of Georgia giving recorded testimony on July 25th. So she's nearing the end because she's going to the big dogs right now. She's already nibbled it at the edges.
5: Uh, We're reporting as well. Bloomberg law says Senator Lindsey Graham is lawyering up and will uh, fight the subpoena. This is a different case uh, for these two gentlemen. Uh, does Lindsey Graham have a chance
4: to beat this? Oh, I think he does, just on separation of powers arguments, perhaps. Yeah. But even uh, more basic is he can string out the legal battle on this far past mm-hmm. where Fannie Willis wants to go. He's being accused of kind of trying to influence the outcome there with two telephone calls. Yeah, He can string this out forever, and we've seen that in Washington and in, in investigations here.
5: Separately here in the Capitol, as you've been covering, uh, Billy, former White House counsel Pat Cipollone, whose name has come up repeatedly uh, in the hearing so far, uh, will testify before the committee. It's going to happen tomorrow, we understand, behind closed doors. How important is that development?
4: Oh, it's huge, it's huge. He's, he's emerged as uh, a, a very important witness. He's, uh, he's going to testify in person. This isn't going to be remote. He's right. going to show up at the O'Neill building in Washington and uh, around 10 a.m. And he has been involved, uh, according to Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony and other testimony, and many of the key events that have been unfolding for us in these hearings, mm-hmm. including warning, please don't let the president go to the Capitol uh, that day as his uh, riotous uh, supporters were on their way there.
5: This is being described as, uh, as a transcribed interview. Does that mean we will not see or hear his voice or his image like we have some of the others?
4: Oh, no, anything but. There will also be video of his testimony. There will. And that's the aim, I believe, is to use that video in, uh, in however many hearings we have, one, two, or three to go. We don't know.
5: So we could see some of this or hear some of this as soon as next week, right? It's worth reminding everybody that the next hearing is actually set for Tuesday.
4: Absolutely. The next hearing set for Tuesday, uh, supposedly focusing on the extremist groups that were behind some of the violence. But there could also be another hearing next week. And there's always going to be a concluding hearing sometime in September when they unveil their actual report and recommendations. So uh, a video of anything could show up in those next three hearings. And there might be more hearings that we don't know about. They've kind of gone off script all of a sudden, adding adding chapters.
5: They have. I mean, it's actually been very compelling uh, because we, we don't know. Who's going to be, you know, even appearing as a witness necessarily uh, from hearing to hearing. But to your point, this next session is about connecting the dots to these militia groups. That's the purpose of Tuesday's hearing.
4: That is. And that seems to be a heavy lift for the committee. Uh, uh, Even Adam Schiff says, uh, we'll wait and see what we show you. But uh, they're trying to link the White House or people in the Trump orbit directly to Uh, Some of these people who are arranging for these organizations or these uh, people in the organizations to show up that day and and create some uh, mischief. Uh, So there's a a mysterious uh, alleged uh, call that Trump wanted uh, his then chief of staff, Mark Meadows, to make to the Willard War Room, uh, where Bannon (laughs) and others may have had connections with these groups. But all that has has never been proven. And we'll see what the committee lays out Tuesday.
5: Billy House, it's always our pleasure. We appreciate the updates. Bloomberg Congress reporter who's all over this and will be a busy man uh, for the next hearing. You think the Willard is going to rent out the war room? I mean, should they just put the plaque on the door right now? People would pay extra for that, right? Am I the first person to suggest that? It's like when you're in Amsterdam, you visit the room where John Lennon and Yoko had the, 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 the bed in. Maybe not. We'll reassemble the panel next. Jeannie is coming back along with Doug High on the fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. And we'll check traffic and markets for you on the way, too. Stay where you are. This is Bloomberg.
1: This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The headline on the terminal... Brittany
5: Griner pleads guilty to drug charges in Russian court. This, of course, just a day after her letter to President Biden was made public. The White House responded. And, of course, after, as well, her supporters held another big rally in Phoenix, Griner plays for the Phoenix Mercury. Her wife, Sherelle, spoke to the crowd.
3: I ask for your help in continuing to fight for BG's safe and quick return home. Let's make sure this administration knows that they have our support to do whatever is necessary and that we are not going to ever be quiet until she's home safely.
5: And then she pleads guilty. Griner saying she mistakenly packed marijuana vape cartridges in her luggage when she flew off to play off season in a Russian basketball league, reaction from White House press secretary Karine Jean-Pierre: That was
3: legal advice, clearly, that Brittany received from her from her lawyers. I cannot speak to why the decision was made.
5: Okay, remembering in light of the, the plea today, this administration has said repeatedly that Griner is being wrongfully detained.
3: We believe that the Russian Federation is holding, uh, is wrongfully, has wrongfully detained Brittany Griner, and she is in intolerable circumstances right now, and we are going to do everything that we can. Uh, The president has this top of mind uh, to make sure that we get Brittany home safely and also Paul Whelan.
5: It's now reportedly a prisoner swap In the works. As we reassemble the panel, Bloomberg politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano is here today, along with Doug High back with us, Republican strategist, former RNC communications director. Do these add up to you, Doug, if the White House is getting involved here publicly, pushing for her release, saying she's being wrongfully detained only for her to plead guilty to drug charges. What are we doing?
7: Well, I mean, clearly what's going on in Russia is the definition of a kangaroo court and Um, Clearly, she's being used as as a bargaining chip. And I think, you know, for Biden, this presents a potential opportunity for him. So much of the Democratic base has been demoralized with Biden. Sometimes I think unfairly uh, because he's not seen as being angry enough or fighting enough, even when his hands are often tied, say, on Supreme Court decisions and so forth. This gives him an opportunity to not just get her back home, but to demonstrate his outrage and to do so at Vladimir Putin, who the world is already um, outraged with for the actions in Ukraine, I hope yep. he takes advantage of this situation.
5: Does it? Does a prisoner swap make you uncomfortable, though? Obviously, we're going to have to let go uh, a bad guy to get a good guy back.
7: Yeah, look, it's obviously not ideal, um, but this is unfortunately the situation uh, that we found, our, you know, that we found ourselves in as, as a nation, where one American essentially can be held hostage, so that Vladimir Putin you know, can extract pain points. So this is where Biden should talk tough and be tough. Hmm.
5: What's your take, Jeannie? Uh, Again, this is for every story today. We refer to this time yesterday because the the message was a bit different out of the White House. We heard about the letter President Biden called Brittany Griner's wife, who we just heard from, only for a day later uh, for her to plead guilty. Does that change the story at all for you?
0: It does to a certain extent. I I mean, when I heard about the guilty plea, it became clear that there is a sense among her counsel that she needs to admit guilt. She will by all, uh, you know, uh, by what we can fathom, she would be convicted almost certainly nine out of ten times and be convicted for ten years. But she needs to do that so they can have this discussion about a potential prisoner swap. And I don't think we can forget. And this is something I I wanted to uh, underscore yesterday that this is a black woman and a gay black woman identity matters here because she's serving in a jail in Russia, in a country with some of the cruelest LGBTQ laws in the world. Mm. And so you can't, or we can't underscore that enough. And so I'm not surprised that she decided to plead guilty. She has now said she packed in a hurry. That's why she mistakenly carried the cannabis oil in. Mm. But, you know, I disagree slightly with Doug, just to the extent that while I hope Biden does everything he said, I think that there is a chance that the pressure, the public pressure on Biden, this demand for action also makes it less likely that Russian officials are willing to play ball. And that is a real problem for Joe Biden and more importantly, at this point, for Greiner and Whalen, And that is a real concern or should be for all of us.
5: Doug, is it time to send Bill Richardson overseas or what?
7: Well, I, you know, the short answer is I don't know. I actually agree with 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 Jeannie. This is not a perfect situation. Um, for for Biden in any means. So, you know, I hope that two things can happen, and they're not necessarily um, all going to happen. One is that we get her home, um, and that, two, that Biden, you know, is able to demonstrate to his base that he can get upset, that he can get outraged, and stand up to somebody who needs standing up to. Vladimir Putin is going to get away with everything that he's allowed to get away with, and this is where it's important to, you know, as best we can, as imperfectly as we can, draw a line in the sand.
5: If you're curious about the letter, by the way, that we discussed uh, yesterday at this time, Karine Jean-Pierre, again, the press secretary at the White House, says it has been delivered.
3: Officials again attended Brittany Griner's trial today and delivered to her a letter from President Biden. Uh, We will not relent until Brittany, Paul Whelan and all and all other wrongfully detained americans are reunited with their loved ones and that is the the focus of the uh secretary of state that's the focus of the president national sec- uh, National security team and his focus as well
5: all right so Jeannie paul Whelan's name is now part of the official response to Brittany griner questions we got into this as well his family says they have still not heard from president biden is that phone call in the works should it be
0: It should be, and I would suspect it is. Um, You know, there's another aspect to this which is really hard to discuss as we talk about both Whelan and uh, Greiner in these horrific conditions, which is that does this incentivize more of these kinds of unlawful attempts by governments like Russia to detain Americans unlawfully and illegally overseas if they get a sense that the United States will then negotiate these trades that can be a very very dangerous road for the United States to go mm-hmm. down we've long resisted that and I'm not saying you know we should not uh, negotiate on uh, with these uh, w- on these two but that has long been a concern of the United States but to your point I suspect there is a call to Wayland's family and rightly should be from the White House
5: some of the talk uh, today and there have been reports on this Doug, uh, that they could, in fact, be part of a prisoner swap together. Can you envision a world? I mean, I think this gets back to your initial point and the politics behind securing the release, even for a bad guy, of these two people, Griner and Whalen, in one pop.
7: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the reality of where we find ourselves. And there's politics involved here, obviously. There are domestic politics. There are uh, international and geopolitics. And I think Biden is is at some point going to remind himself or be reminded of the domestic politics in this that his base, especially because we're talking about, you know, a black gay woman and exactly what Jeannie was talking about, the experience Mm -hmm. that you're going to have in Russia, um, you know, with that um, being so difficult that Biden is going to have to do something domestically, politically. Uh, to his to demonstrate to his base that he's fighting for them, even if it's just one person at a time.
5: Our story on the terminal uh, updating all of this uh, says Russia hits at U.S. hype on prisoners. Uh, This is the idea from Russia that we're making a big deal out of this uh, when she's actually going through their uh, their legal process. You can qualify that as you want. Uh, But the hysterics, which they love accusing Americans of, apparently the last that we've heard here, there is a chance Jeannie uh, now having pleaded guilty, she could serve 10 years in prison
0: she could and, and again having pleaded guilty in 90 I, I understand the number is nine out of ten some people say it's as close as 98 percent of That's people right. in her situation will be convicted and mm-hmm. will be found guilty and have to serve 10 years of course barring some kind of swap so you know that has she has got to be frightened and we heard in the, the you know the pleas to the president in her letter from her wife i mean this has got to be an incredibly difficult situation yeah. for her
5: Her lawyer, uh, as we are reporting uh, via Agence France-Presse, had urged the court to impose, quote, as soft a sentence as possible, unquote. Uh, We'll let you know, of course, as we learn more. Doug High, I want to bring you back uh, to where we were uh, just a little while ago this hour talking about Boris Johnson. You have a unique view here. You've worked with him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you consulted with him when he was mayor of London. To your point, you've spent time with him here in Washington. And I didn't have a chance to hear uh, your question just because we were running out of time here. Your answer, rather. Um, yeah.
7: I, look, do you, you take know, him
5: at his word, having spent time with him? Because obviously this has become a story of trust.
7: Yeah. And, and look, he's he's lost that trust to to a lot of his members. It's why he's going and ultimately why he should go when that trust is gone. You know, you don't get it back. And so they're clearly going to move on however they decide to. Mm -hmm. Um, My experience is he is one of the shrewdest, smartest operators I've ever seen. Um, The last two times I was in London, I had people who despised Boris Johnson, who would say, and this was in February and in September, say, but this guy's a winner. He always figures a way out. And he essentially did, you know, until he ran out of time
5: just needs to keep his shirt tails in and stuff right i mean wouldn't i just he what a character you know i asked the ambassador this earlier doug Do you ever go to a good party with boris johnson
7: i mean i have not been to a good party with him i've been right. to some receptions okay. you know at the embassy here and so forth but not what i would call a good party or a pub or anything like that all above
5: board no. as i know i would have expected nothing less from doug high a straight shooter republican <laughs> strategist and back with us today on the panel with Jeannie shanzano thank you both for the insights we'll meet you back here tomorrow the Friday edition of Sound On this is Bloomberg